Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. My name's Jeff. If I haven't met you before, I am the pastor of Student Families. So we are wrapping up our Radical series, okay? Today's going to be the last, the last one of this series, and uh, today we're talking about radical goal, okay? What is our, our radical goal? We want to live our life in the light of the fact that our priorities have changed to be God's priorities, right? That heaven, and what does God want, right? How, are, how is our mind wrapped around the things that God wants instead of the things that I want? Um, you know, I'm so distracted so easily by the things of the world. I feel like Doug. Do you guys remember Doug from the movie Up? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really like the movie that much. It was kind of depressing, I remember. But Doug was like, he was like the, the high point, right? Uh, he had the dog collar that, that basically could speak, so he could he, he'd speak English. Um, and, you know, he'd be talking to you, and all of a sudden he'd be like, squirrel. Do you remember that? So he would, he would get distracted and think there was a squirrel and just immediately turn his head. And that is how I am when it comes to my relationship with God sometimes. I want to pursue the things in life that God wants me to pursue, and yet the idols of my heart, right, squirrel, they just take me right over there to focus on things that, that don't really matter. They're not of eternal consequence. These are the things that constantly I want to chase after. All right, and that's what I want to talk about today. So let's pray, and uh, we'll jump into this message. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord, for Watershed, thank you for our band. Thank you, Lord, for each student that's here and these great leaders. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us tonight by your word and by your spirit, that you would teach us, Lord, that, that we would have a radical goal. Lord, we would be radically dependent upon you and that our priorities would be your priorities, that we would live for you and not for ourselves. Uh, with heaven in mind, in Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, so there's verses that talk about this, and I'm going to read one to you that you guys are probably familiar with. If you've grown up in church at all, you've, you've definitely heard this verse. But uh, this kind of gives us this idea. So we're going to look at Matthew 6, and we're going to read what it has to say about, about this idea of where are our priorities. Okay, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? All right, so right out of the gate in verse 20, he reminds us, right, that there's eternal things that are worth pursuing, and there's temporal things. And that's what I said to begin with. I get distracted by the temporal things. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. That when we lay up for ourselves 
eternal things. What are the eternal things that we are pursuing? All right, or how much time are we spending pursuing things that really matter? Um, a little over, well, a lot over 2,000 years ago, Alexander the Great, he was born around 356 BC, okay, and he was considered one of the greatest uh, generals of all time, greatest military commanders, never lost a battle that we know of. He became king uh, in, at the age of 20, and he conquered the known world, right? He conquered all of the area around the Mediterranean, uh, North Africa. He was just an amazing general, amazing guy, and he died at 30, okay? So in 10 short years, this young man conquered everything that he could see, and he never lost a battle, and he pursued wealth, and he was wildly successful for 10 years. And legend has it that right at his death, um, he, he called his generals together, and he said, I'm going to depart from this world, but I have three wishes. Carry them out without fail. Now, again, I don't know if this really happened, but this is, this is what legend says. So with, with, with tears in his eyes, he said, my first desire is this. I want the physicians to carry my coffin because I want people to realize that uh, even the best doctors on earth can't keep you from death. So he wants his physicians to carry his coffin. The second thing he said is I want, I, I desire that when my coffin is being carried, that the path leading to the graveyard is strewn with gold, silver, and precious jewels, which I've collected in my treasury. With this, let people realize that it is a sheer waste of time to chase wealth and greed and power. And then lastly, and you've probably heard this part, he said, my third wish is that both my hands are kept dangling outside of my coffin so that I wish people to know that I came empty-handed into this world and empty-handed I will go out of this world. Okay? So he realizes on his deathbed that all the success he's had, everything that he's chased, he has immense wealth, immense power, he's conquered everything, but it doesn't mean anything. He came into this world with nothing and he's going out of this world with nothing. He realized that he'd been chasing after temporal things that don't really matter instead of eternal things that do. So the second part of this, of this verse, in verse 21, it talks about the fact that this reflects our priorities, the way that we spend our money. That's, just, that's a measure of what our priorities are. Look at, look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, if I were to follow you around for six months, in fact, let's just, just think about it right now. The last six months, how did you spend your money? If I said, let's, I want to know how you spent all your money because that tells me where your priorities are in the last six months. Now, that wouldn't be the only thing that would tell us, right? There's other signs. But if it was only based on that, what, would, what is the most important thing to you? Is it like Starbucks and Chipotle? Is that like the only thing that basically, and maybe the gas in your car? Um, so... Yeah, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to go back and think, if this, if this lays out what all my priorities are, what does that say about me? Okay, because it is a sign. The rest of your life, the way that you spend your money, the things that you're dedicated to, that is at least one way, it's not the only way, but it is one way that we see uh, what our priorities are. And then he goes on in verse 22 and 23, and this is where I want to spend the bulk of my time, talking about the eyes. Okay, because here's the thing. As I said, we want to have a radical goal is the, the way that we see life so that we see these eternal things and not the things of this world. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, the whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. 
If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he's saying here that if you can't see these eternal things, right? If you can't see with eyes what is real and what is true and what is important, you're going to make the wrong decisions. You're going to make the wrong choices where, this, uh, where God is uh, involved in this situation. So are we stuck seeing only the temporary or do we see what's eternal right before us? Um, I'm going to show a clip here. This is from a, a movie called Ready Player One. I don't know if you guys have seen this. So there's a, there's, and to set this up, this is the year 2045, and the planet's on the brink of chaos and collapse, but everyone is finding salvation in a game. It's called Oasis, and it, it's an expansive virtual reality universe created by this guy named James Halliday, and he died, and he's kind of hidden the Easter egg in the game, and whoever finds that Easter egg gets all of his fortune and gets control of the Oasis, okay? So this is the first part of this is a race that was done uh, in the game, and it's the first part of, of, the, of this chasing after his wealth. So let's see this, this first clip. All right, so, okay, so the main character there, his name is Percival, and he is basically, right, he's entered into this virtual world, and just like everybody else, he's playing by the, by the rules that the world has set, this virtual world, right? And he's trying to get to the finish line. Now, we may think of the finish line in a sense, right, for us, for the sake of this illustration, it's, it's life satisfaction. What is life all about, right? Whoever, has, whoever gets the most toys wins, right? We pursue these things. We pursue greatness. We pursue all of this stuff, and it might be fame. It might be wealth. It might be power. It might be prestige. I don't know what it is for you, but we pursue after these things that don't really matter, and that's our finish line. That's our goal. That's what we're trying to get to, right, is really is life satisfaction. And he's doing the same thing, and he's in the race, and he's, he's completely trying to figure that out. But the thing is, what God has called us to do is look with a completely different set of eyes. All right, we have this verse in Colossians chapter 3. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, now what is he saying in this verse? Just let me point out a few things. First he's saying, you died. He says in verse 3, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. So Christ is now your life. Okay, so if we died to our earthly self, we died to the earthly things, and now we have eyes to see, and we live our life no longer for ourselves, but for who? For Christ. We live our life for him and for his sake, and therefore we set our mind on things above, not on things on earth. We look with a different set of rules. We're looking for things that are eternal, not for the things of this world. It's almost like the rules have completely changed. We play this game at my house called Cosmic Encounters when we have game night. And one of the powers of Cosmic Encounters is, first off, nobody knows what your powers are until you reveal them. And, but one of those secret powers is you can change the rules of the game. Like you change how you win the game. And nobody knows that you've changed them yet. You're the only one. And that's kind of what this is like for us. The rules are changed and we understand that and we know that because we see with eyes that are set on things above where Christ is. We are not playing by the same rules that everyone else on this earth is playing with. 
This same thing happened in the movie in Ready Player One. Percival is doing something interesting. He studies the guy who invented the game, and he knows him, and he knows his life so well that he figures out the key to this first part of the race. He says, wait a second, I'm playing by the wrong rules. This isn't the way this is supposed to go at all. Now watch this next clip and see how he figured out what to do. All right, so he makes it. He makes it to the end, right? He did something that was completely counterintuitive. He, he drives backwards. He goes completely against the rules of the game, and what, what ends up happening? He's underneath the game. He's inside the game. He sees what's happening all around him. Everybody else is playing by a completely different set of rules, and what's happening? They're not achieving what they're setting out to do. But he's playing differently, and he makes it to the finish line. He finds that satisfaction that we're talking about. You see... The life in Christ that we live is counterintuitive to what the world says. It's completely counterintuitive. Matthew 16 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? That sounds a lot like Alexander the Great, doesn't it? He said, I gained everything... But in the end, I have nothing. We have modern-day Alexanders the Greats, right? Jeff Bezos, right, the founder of Amazon. He's worth what? $110 billion. He's worth $110 billion. Do you think that that gives him life satisfaction? I think a lot of you are like, well, I'd like to try that for a while. You know, maybe a day or two. Uh, Money can't buy me happiness, but... Things that cost money make me happy, so I might want to give that a try. Um, okay, but I bet he is going to relate to Alexander the Great because it can't buy you happiness. You can have all of that, and it doesn't bring you what it promises, right? The life that we live is counterintuitive. Um, so how do we see with spiritual eyes? Romans 12 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, right, that's the rules the world is working by, but instead be transformed by the renewing, the renewal of your mind, okay, so we're supposed to be renewing our mind constantly, just like Percival in the clip that we saw, we're supposed to study the creator of all things, and when we pursue him, and when our mind is renewed over and over again by the word and by the spirit, we start to have spiritual eyes to see, to set our mind on things above, and we live counterintuitively. When I reach into my wallet and I get money and I give that money to God and I dedicate a portion of my income to him, that seems counterintuitive. Hey, I'm going to give more of my money away and God is going to bless me and provide for my needs because he's the one that does that and I will, I will experience a greater satisfaction in life by giving more away. That doesn't make sense. That's not the way the world seems to work. But that is the way the Bible tells us that it works. So let's think of this. Uh, In Scripture, there's this thing called the tithe. You give up to 10% of your income, right? Uh, So that is a call that, that I read an article on tithing in Relevant Magazine. It was a few years old. And it talked about this whole idea of tithing. Do you know how many people tithe in the church regularly? How many people give 10% of their income? Uh, nationwide, I don't know what the percentage at our church is, but it's about 10 to 25% of a normal congregation actually tithes. Okay, now what would happen if all Christians tithed? Okay, if all believers were to increase their giving just to a minimum of 10%, what would happen? 
this would be an additional $165 billion, and this is just in the United States, I believe, $165 billion for the church to use and distribute. Uh, the global impact of this would be unbelievable. Now think about that. $25 billion, he said, could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable diseases within five years. Because remember, that's $25 billion you could spend every year on those things. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than a dollar a day. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas mission work. 100 to $110 billion would be left over for additional distribution by the church every year. $100 billion. So what Jeff Bezos is worth in his entirety would be available for the church to use regularly if every believer just tithed. 10%. So let me close with this. 2 Corinthians says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What's important to remember here is that you are stewarding what God has given you. Your gifts, your ability, your time, your money, all of that. God has said, hey, I'm entrusting all of this to you right now. And you're stewarding that for him. So are you investing in things that are eternal? People's lives are eternal. That's what we're supposed to be investing in. God loves a cheerful giver. And he promises that he will reward us in accordance with the giving that we give in our heart. Now, I want to be clear here. He's not saying this is no health and wealth gospel. Hey, guys, you guys all give a lot of money, and guess what? God's going to make you rich. That is not what this verse is saying. He's saying, though, that I will bless you. It may be financially, but he's going to bless you in ways the way, with the same measure that you use to bless others. And in the way that you give back to him, he notices that. He says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So what I want to encourage you, this coming Sunday is Pledge Sunday. All right, Jeff's been talking and building all this up, right, for all of these weeks. And families are going to go in there. I'm going to go in there with my wife. We're going to pray about it and talk about it. And we're going to decide what we're going to give. And we're going to go in and we're going to pledge. But I'm going to encourage you to pray about it this week and pledge to give something. Okay, think about what that is. I don't know what kind of income you have. Do you get an allowance? Do you have a job? I don't know what your situation is. But I will encourage you to do this. Start tithing now while you make a small amount of money. Do you know that if you start giving 10% of your, of your income, I started when I was in my 20s, and I didn't make much money at all, and it was easy to give because it really wasn't that much money, right? And then as I made more and more money, it was still easy to give because it just didn't seem like that much more. And, but if you wait until you're like making 100 grand a year, because you're all going to, let's be honest, um, then it's hard to write that first check, right? So start writing those checks now with whatever little bit of income you have and step out in faith and see what God does. Recognize that he's your provider and take a step of faith out towards him because the ultimate goal here, remember, is he loves a cheerful giver and he wants us to give with priorities 
that are in heaven and seeing that not with eyes that are on temporal things, but with eyes that are on eternal things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you uh, for loving us. God, you have given us so many blessings. Just being born in this country, um, living in the area we do, Lord, we have so many resources. And God, I, I thank you for that. Um, but Lord, there's a huge responsibility because you've given us so much. Help us to have spiritual eyes to see, to give in accordance with the way you direct, to recognize that you provide all things for us. And so God, challenge us with this opportunity coming up this week to really pray and to pledge to give some amount. Maybe we even have to step out in faith and say, Lord, if you provide this amount, I'll give it. Um, so we pray for our church. We thank you for Jeff and his leadership. And we ask that you guide us moving forward. All these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.